Well, if you've been keeping up with the Beatitudes, you might know that this morning we have gotten to the mercy one. And I'm just, I'm just curious, and this is kind of rhetorical for you to kind of think in your head, what do you think of when you hear the word mercy? I mean, I think of a couple, couple different things. One of the things I think of is the game we used to play as a kid. It was called Mercy. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of mercy involved. It was more trying to get somebody else to say mercy. So you'd interlock your fingers and then you'd like try to hurt the other person until they, you know, basically cried uncle, you know, give, give, mercy is what, what, what you would say. Anybody play that? I think I'm gonna teach my kids that this afternoon. See how that goes. Uh, the next thing that comes to mind is this guy. You remember Uncle Jesse from Full House? And uh, he, had a, he had his catchphrase, have mercy, you know. I don't, I don't know how good my John Stamos is there, but, um, but uh, I, th- I, think of, I think of that one. I also think of this guy, John Kreese from Cobra Kai. Do you guys, you guys know who this is at all? All right, from the Karate Kid. We do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. Here in the streets, in competition, a man confronts you. He is the enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy. Do you remember the motto of the dojo? Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. I think when we think about mercy, or at least when we talk about it, sometimes it's easier to describe what mercy isn't. You know, even the game mercy, you know, is about what mercy isn't. You're not giving the other person uh, mercy. Um, than it is to, to really think about or describe or live out what mercy actually looks, looks like. And so as we continue these beatitudes that Jesus gives, we're going to be looking at this beatitude of mercy. And, and I want us to think about this in terms of, of how living mercy out affects and changes our life. that brings about the blessing of God, the divine favor, the happiness, the fortune that maybe we're looking for. Because there are a lot of situations that we come up against in life that either somebody is not showing us mercy, or maybe we're withholding mercy from someone else, and we're missing out on the blessing that God wants us to experience in that life. So how we treat our family, how we treat those we work with, how we treat uh, our neighbors or the wait staff in the restaurant when they get our order wrong, <laughs> you know, like what, whatever it is, the crazy person on the road who's not driving as, as, as well as you are, you get the idea. How we live out mercy matters and it impacts our experience of blessing and happiness in this life. And so in Matthew chapter five, verse seven, we find the fifth beatitude. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And mercy is a fundamental characteristic of God. It's a part of his character. It's a part of his nature. We find it throughout scripture. Constantly he is showing his people. He's showing us mercy, goodness, loving kindness. And this is all part of who he is. Despite of being rejected constantly, people sinning against God, missing the mark in their lives, God continually shows mercy. And even uh, in the, all throughout the Old Testament and when Jesus is speaking, you know, in the New Testament it's written in Greek, but Jesus was probably teaching and speaking in Aramaic, you know, connected to that Hebrew language. Uh, there's probably a consistent idea of mercy that flows throughout uh, scripture and this Hebrew word, word called hesed. There's a little bit of uh, at the beginning of that word. It's kind of fun to say Hebrew words sometimes. Um, it, it's not, you know, when we say mercy, it doesn't necessarily encapture or encapsulate everything in that, uh, that maybe a biblical idea of mercy uh, means. So when we translate it into English, there's a little bit more of a bigger concept at play here. William Barclay uh, summarizes it this way. The ability to get right inside the other person's skin until we can see things with his eyes, think things with his mind, and feel things with his feelings. 
And so when you, you think about that imagery and you think about what God has done through Jesus, where he came as a man, was in our skin, saw things through our eyes, experienced things as we experienced them, laughed, cried, you know, all of the things, was hungry, was thirsty, felt and experienced, dealt with all the things that, that we do. There's a, there's, a, there's a deep and rich meaning of mercy that maybe we only scratch the surface of in our hearts. Mercy is acted upon through kindness and goodness and forgiveness. That's what, that's what the word mercy means, is to be kind, to be good, to be for, forgiving. And God is all of these things. God is gracious and God is merciful. And it's interesting, uh, grace and mercy are one of those things that are always talked about in tandem in Scripture, especially when we're thinking about who God is and what he does. And they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And so one of the easy ways to kind of remember what mercy is like, grace and mercy, is that grace, when God gives us grace, he is giving us what we, uh, what we don't deserve. And so salvation, new life, eternal life with him, hope, relationship, those are things we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And I think, I think that's a helpful way of thinking about it. When we're showing mercy uh, to someone else, we're often not giving them what they do deserve in that moment. You know, punishment or death or hell when it comes to our, our relationship or broken relationship with God. And because mercy is a fundamental characteristic of God, not only are we re, uh, equipped to receive mercy and need it in our lives, but also to give it to others. And to be merciful requires that we consider the needs and the feelings of other people more highly than our own. In the world around us, you know, the natural way in which we engage with each other, we see it modeled for us in our society and culture. Mercy is not one of the f- first things that we, we go for. Most of the time, the idea is for us to look out for number one. We need to fight for ourselves. You know, we need to do us in the world. But Jesus taught that the way to real happiness is to consider others, to step into somebody else's pain or struggle or weakness or their brokenness and let that, let that change how we interact with one another and how we experience God's blessing in our life. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and, and, and just to share and show how this concept is consistent throughout the whole of Scripture, God says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And oh, how harmful it is in our life when we don't get these things put together in harmony in how we interact and view the world and treat other people and allow it to develop our character. We're called to love mercy because it's the Jesus way and it's the way of his kingdom. It's the way of being blessed. And in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus, and I'm just going to read this parable that Jesus teaches because it illustrates very perfectly the, 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 um, uh, the entanglement we get when we don't live out mercy and we don't show it in our lives. So the mercy that we receive from God, if we don't experience it, if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't see how it impacts our life, we might miss the opportunity and see how we're called to be blessed through that and be a blessing to other people. So in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And, and this is a question I think deep down in our hearts, at least for mine, I'll, I'll expose myself. I mean, this is a question I have. Like, how often do you actually want me to forgive someone? How often do you actually want me to show mercy? Because, you know, fool me once, shame on me. You know, fool me, or shame on you. What, what is it? I can never remember it. It's fun. You know what I'm talking about. Who, care, who, who cares? Give me some mercy, you know, in, in, in that for messing that up. Uh, but, you know, but that's, that's not nor- normally how we, uh, that's normally how we think, right? Is how many times do you want me to actually forgive this person? And Jesus answered Peter and says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. 
And Jesus' point here isn't to like keep a notebook and count, all right, one, two, skip a few, 77. Like that's, that's not the idea here. And some, some of us, your translation will say 70 times seven. The idea is you, you don't stop. It, it continues. And so this is the parable that he shares as a result of this conversation with Peter. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. This is more money than this person would have been able to earn in a lifetime. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had sold to be, repay, uh, to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. This pales in comparison to the debt that he was forgiven. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Same exact words he had just given to his master. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And this is a you know, parable in, in the framework of absurdity. You know, who, who would live this way? Who would operate like this? You were just, you know, you were just forgiven this massive, like, life long, longer than you would be able to live to be able to earn it all back debt. And you take this paltry in comparison sum and you're going to hold it against this other person for the rest of their life. And by what standard are, are we looking at and, look, and living life when it comes to our interaction with other people when we don't recognize the mercy that we've been shown and how that means we, are, ought, we ought to interact with and live among everyone else in our lives. And this is what this parable is, is meant to illustrate. In fact, at the end of the parable, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, this is, so this is right, right directly as part of this parable, this is kind of the ending conclusion, conclusive thought that, Je, that Jesus gives in response to this question that Peter has, how, how often should I really forgive another person, show mercy to somebody, somebody else? He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And, and one of the, I think one of the, the um, disconnects sometimes that, that can come with our faith is that uh, we, we don't always expect that our belief is, is meant to affect our behavior as clearly, as clearly cut as it really is meant to, meant to affect our, our behavior. And so we believe that God has done this great thing for us, this amazing thing that we could never repay. You know, all this debt has been forgiven, but sometimes we... Um, we don't extend that same thinking, we don't ex extend that same character, that same nature to, to other people, we, we withhold it. Um, and, and something that I think we need to hear when we think about mercy and how we're called to, to show it, because blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy, is that God tends to treat us the way that we treat others. And that, that could be either really good news Right now, you know, as you hear that, depending on how you interact with people and what your normal thought process is when you're dealing with other people in your life, or that could be, that could be really bad, really bad news. 
it's quite uncomfortable to think about our relationship with God to be contingent upon something because many of us have been taught and think, uh, maybe subconsciously, the only way in which we're called to interact with God is just to believe. That's all you got to do. Just, just believe. Well, even Jesus says the demons believe too. I mean, they shudder. You know, there's still an action. There's still a response there. But, but it's much more than that. That's not how any relationship works. We don't just believe. There's also character and nature and interaction. How we act matters. How we include and exclude others matters. And remember, Jesus' audience at the time would have been pretty familiar with where the lines were drawn in the sand. There wasn't a whole lot of mercy being thrown around for between the religious elite and those who were very much on the bottom of society. And, and to be honest, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. The more that, that time has passed, the more that we still deal with this issue in our lives. Jesus says that we're going to be judged based on how we judge others. By the way, that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be judge, judging others. We're actually called to keep each other accountable with relationship as followers of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said to do others what you would have them do to you. And James puts it like, like this. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when we think about mercy, I mean, there's some, there's some deep concepts that run, run through here. This is just not something for us to think in our head. This is something for us to live out and act upon in our life. Um, it's great to talk about God's mercy toward us, but we haven't experienced God's mercy toward us if we are not showing that mercy and giving it to other people in our, li- in, in our lives, that kindness, that goodness, that forgiveness. You know, we are the servant who have been forgiven the massive unpayable debt. And so how do we handle the pocket change that's owed toward us? Mark Moore writes this in his Life of Christ. When we treat others unmercifully, it betrays the fact that we have not experienced or appreciated the mercy God has shown us. And so one of, the, one of the things that is meant to just change our hearts and our minds is to understand the scope with which God has forgiven us through his mercy, how much he has forgiven us, because that puts into context how we show that mercy to others. It's not because we're better than anyone else, it's because we've experienced the weight, the crushing debt being completely removed and how life-changing it is. We experience it when we understand the weight of the destructive nature of sin. Sin tears us down, tears others down, it deteriorates our lives, it changes our brain chemistry, our thinking, how we act, and it will disconnect us from both receiving and knowing that we need mercy and we need to be showing it. Those who show mercy are those who know they need mercy. So I just, I just want to give us a few uh, areas and places in which we can have some clear opportunities in our lives. All of us do have these situations in which we can show mercy to others. The first is this. Mercy is expressed through generosity, especially to those in need. So when we think about mercy being kindness, goodness, forgiveness in our life, uh, th- those are very generous ca- characteristics that God expects us to live out among other people. When we encounter people who are within, within great need of our lives, this could be the homeless, this could be the jobless, the handicapped, this could be uh, the, the depressed, the people who uh, are in your life at work that need help on a project. I mean, wh- wh- whatever that looks like, how do you look at those people in those moments? 
You know, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite phrases, again, here's another one I'm probably going to butcher because I'm, I'm, I'm doing it here um, without it being in my, in my notes, is um, your, your failure to plan does not constitute an emergency on my part. You guys like that one? That's one of my, my favorite things. I, I, I don't ever say that to anybody, but I think it quite a bit. Yeah, how do you think, how do you think in those moments when, you, when you're thinking, all right, this person probably needs some mercy, but I don't want to give it to them. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, you're so lazy, or you know, you're disgusted with that person, or you think, oh, you're just in that situation um, you know, because you made some stupid decisions in your life, and, and good luck getting out of it. You know, or do you just feel sorry for them and put them out of your mind? Neither of those is mercy. Mercy doesn't just sympathize, it identifies the need and takes, takes action. You think, think back to the unmerciful servant. You know, the master could have just said, oh, stinks for you. Good luck trying to pay the back. You put yourself in this situation. Guess you shouldn't have borrowed all this money. You know, but it took life-changing action to provide this man with the freedom from that burden. The second is this. Mercy is expressed through compassion for the hurting. You know, people aren't just hurting uh, physically. They're not just hurting emotionally. But deep down, uh, the foundation for all of that is people are hurting spiritually in our lives. And that's what matters the most. It's the thing that affects everything, everything else. Those who are spiritually, physically, emotionally uh, wounded. We know that hurt people hurt people. Um, and so there are plenty, there's plenty of hurting uh, to, to go around. Um, sometimes it's because people have experienced abuse from other people. Uh, sometimes it's just life being life because we live in a world that's broken by sin. Um, and when we're looking for number one, you know, it, it can be easy to pass by or ignore them. Or maybe if we're just consumed with our own struggle or our own pain, we don't see how us being um, in relationship with others and helping them through that helps us in that same, in that same token. But mercy is being sensitive to the hurts of others and seeks to assist even at the risk of self-interest in our lives. The third is this. Mercy is expressed through restoration of those who have fallen. Um, we have a really interesting relationship in this country of um, really enjoying seeing somebody topple from the top. Like we'll vilify those who, I, I don't know, like maybe, maybe somebody doesn't uh, compete in a major event the way that we think they should. I can't think of any specific examples of that. And, and how, do, how do we think about those things? Because we all have an opinion. I have plenty of opinions and I can share them all all, all of those with you, but how do, how do we think about, because we also, we also love the redemption story too, don't we? And so it's, it's really interesting how, um, how double-minded we can be in those kind of situations. Because we love to see somebody on the top, you know, oh man, I, if, man, if I was there, I know what I would, <laughs> yeah, we know exactly what you would do. You know, when you see somebody else sin or they struggle or they fail, how, how do we handle that? It's often said that we tend to judge others by their worst faults, but we judge ourselves by our best intentions. You know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, the person who's speeding down the road is an idiot for driving so fast, you know, but when we're passing the other person, they're an idiot for driving so slow. You, you know, we kind of get, we get, um, we're not very consistent. And I, I'm, I'm talking... I mean, I'm using examples from my life, right? I mean, this, this is why I'm familiar in sharing with these things, because I know how I think sometimes. You know, mercy isn't so quick to condemn another person who has sinned or, or made a serious mistake, especially when it comes to 
those who are fellow believers. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't hold the same biblical standard that God calls us to, and it doesn't mean that we don't pursue accountability, but accountability comes with relationship. It's because we actually care what has happened to that person, and we're looking for restoration to take place, and so we don't abandon, we don't walk away, but we engage, and so uh, we restore uh, those who are struggling or those who are failing. And the fourth one is this, mercy is expressed through forgiving those who have offended you. This is where mercy gets really difficult, but it's also where mercy, um, uh, we, ha- we have a whole lot of opportunity, you know, to, to engage with mercy because everybody's offended these days, right? Every, everybody's offended. But maybe, maybe you've experienced a true offense. Maybe um, somebody has been abusive towards you. Maybe a teacher um, has been unfair to you. Maybe a friend has betrayed you. Maybe uh, somebody in business has exploited you. There are so many ways. I mean, the, the list is endless. So many different ways that we can be hurt. Um, so many different ways that we can be actually offended. And when we're hurt, when we're holding a grudge, um, la- let's be honest, the last thing we want to talk about in that moment is mercy. And we don't want to be talking about kindness and goodness and forgiveness. We want to be talking about revenge. We want to say, all right, all right, God, I want to see how you're going to get this person, get this person back. And mercy doesn't mean living in and accepting abuse and just letting yourself get punched in the face over and over, and you know, those, those kinds of things. But it does mean, and sometimes this has to happen at a distance and at an arm's length, but it does mean that we're willing to forgive. We pray to God, please forgive me. I've got this huge debt that I can't repay. And yet if we struggle to let go of the debt someone else owes us, then we might be missing out on the power and the blessing of mercy in our life. Jesus was abused, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was crucified. Yet from the cross, he looked at his offenders and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We show mercy. We show mercy to the hurting, to the needy, to the fallen, to the offenders. Because that's all of us. We've all been in that position in a relationship with somebody else. We've all been the person who has offended someone else. We've all been the person who has hurt someone else. We've all been the person who needs forgiveness from someone else. And if we're unwilling to share that or live that out with other people, then we're going to miss out on the blessed life. And so consider the, the mercy that God is showing through these beatitudes that we've been memorizing. All right, let's, let's try this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I think it's really interesting that mercy follows the righteousness beatitude because I think it helps to frame God's character for us in a way that shapes our own perspective and actions as a result. One of the interesting phenomenons that happen when humans get a hold of um, not, not just religion, uh, but just any belief that they hold onto uh, very, very, um, very fiercely, um, and, and when they hold onto it and they form it, within their own image, or form it with our own image. I'm talking about all of us, humanity as a whole. It becomes a way for us to determine, determine acceptability of someone's existence on our terms versus on God's terms. Let's face it, uh, you know, when somebody's not right, they're wrong. And let's face it, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of how human righteousness 
works. It's like, oh, there's a clear line in the sand here, and if you are on the other side of it, you are, you are dead to me. And this is how you can take righteousness as the way to God's divine favor and extrapolate, based on the limits of human reasoning, that the best way to accomplish righteousness is to destroy our enemies. And yet God, God doesn't operate like that. He calls us to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. He, he calls us to be merciful. And when I think of being merciful, I think about my character when things do not go the way I want them to and how that affects the nature of my relationship with the other person. How do I think about them? What category do I put them in? Do I remove the fact that this person, this human being, is made in the image of God? What is my reaction when I'm hungering and thirsting for what is right? Because being merciful in our hearts and our minds and our souls gives us the space we need to allow God to fill us. Our default is usually to make our interactions contingent upon the response of the other person. You know, well, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. What will they produce in return for the benefit of my kindness and goodness and forgiveness? Do I think of them as, as this fellow human created in the image of God? Do I disparage their existence because I'm not getting my way? Or do I see the opportunity for sharing the love of Christ? Because everything, every time we come up against something that isn't right, we have an opportunity to show mercy. Merciful people show kindness where there is none, goodness in the face of evil and forgiveness where there is no return. There are countless opportunities for this everywhere we look. And when we show mercy, here's the, not, not only does it change how we experience God's blessing, but it changes how somebody else does as well. Because this is, this is how people see Jesus in our life. This is how people experience the work of the Holy Spirit. This is how people know that God is God and that he is infinitely worth giving all the glory and praise and honor in our lives. It might not be our natural way, but man, when we consider what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross, what he continues to do in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, um, we're reminded of the greatness of this mercy we've received and how, um, how beautiful it is to be able to share that mercy with others. So as we, as we prepare our hearts and minds to take communion this morning, I, I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm convinced that um, there is no better time in our, in our current life in history for us to be able to show and live out mercy. And for that to be a conspicuous way in which people look at us and we think, what? and they think, man, how in, in this day and age can, can you be so, so happy? And, and can you live so blessed in your life? And I, I think mercy is, is one of the one of the keys to that, one of the key characteristics that God invites us into. It's one of the key ways in which people can see what a difference uh, knowing Jesus uh, means and looks like for our life. And if you're, if you're not a Christian, if, if um, you're in a place in your life where you recognize, though, that um, just like all of us, you're in desperate need of mercy because maybe you haven't given much mercy to yourself, or maybe you've never been given mercy by anyone else. Um, God has an infinite supply of that for us. Kindness, goodness, and forgiveness 
And he invites us into that relationship to say yes, yes to Jesus. And so if you're in that place, if you have some questions about what that looks like, we would love to talk to you about what that means, what it means to, uh, to be baptized, what it means to, to believe, uh, to repent, uh, to confess, what it means to say yes and to start a brand new conception, brand new way of life um, that is just how God had always meant for, it, meant for it to be. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion this morning. God, we thank you for the mercy that you give us. God, we, we, believe, we believe that. We believe that you, have re, that you have given it to us, that we've received it. God, help us to, uh, to live it out. Help us to not just believe that we've been shown mercy. Help us to become merciful and to share that kindness, that goodness, forgiveness uh, with everyone uh, that is around us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.